Welcome to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. For free rankings, player values, waiver wire tips, and trade advice, follow him online at dynastyfreaks.com or email dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. Hello, greetings from Austin, Texas. Welcome all of you Dynasty Freaks. Admit it, you're addicted to Dynasty. I am too. My name is Justin Christopher and I am a Dynasty Freak, which means I love drafting and trading and scouting and managing all of my teams 365 days a year. So to you, so let's talk some Dynasty on episode 160. We're going to do a review of week number eight, this week's NFL games. What a great week of games we had. We are treated to a great week in the NFL. Uh, week started with the Packers knocking off the undefeated Cardinals on a very fluky interception in the end zone, and then ended uh, at least Sunday night with a last-minute touchdown pass from Cooper Rush to Amari Cooper. Uh, great game on Monday night, too. And all the games in between, there were six one-score games compared to a lot of blowouts last week, including one overtime game this week. I thoroughly enjoyed the week on the NFL as a fan and as a dynasty manager. More than half of my games came down to the wire. I lost two games and won two games on that last Cowboy drive on Sunday night. And then I lost one game and won one game on Monday night. Uh, so ended up just being kind of a mediocre week, 6-4 and four for me this week. Could have been better, but could have been worse too. I always like to end the weekend and remind myself, win or lose, it's a joy to watch football all weekend and share on my Dynasty teams. Um, so that's my story. After following all the games this week, there are here are going to be a few of my thoughts on the players and situations and, and their impact on our Dynasty teams. And I usually like to talk about some players that I haven't talked about in recent weeks unless there was something that I just had to talk about back-to-back weeks. So let's get started. Uh, observation, we'll have 10, then we'll do the waiver wire, then we'll talk about some trades that took place in my leagues. Uh, 10 observations, let's start it. Uh, first is that Jonathan, uh, Josh Allen uh, shines while his best target does not. And it's getting frustrating. Josh Allen uh, had his third 30-plus point fantasy game on Sunday. Uh, even though the Dolphins' defense actually limited the Bills' offense to just 26 points and really held them in check pretty much throughout the game. As usual, Allen was part of every every touchdown, <laughs> throwing for two and rushing for one. I heard a stat actually from Ian Harditz uh, yesterday morning that since Allen came into the NFL, he has the 11th most rushing touchdowns among pl- all players. Isn't that crazy? As a quarterback, the 11th most rushing, rushing touchdown since he's been in the league. Only 10 running backs have more rushing touchdowns than him. While it's a joy to have Allen on your dynasty team, um, it's incredibly frustrating to have Stefan Diggs on your team this year, especially since he was a league winner last year. Uh, he's just not a target hog that he was last year. Cole Beasley led the team in targets this week and uh, and, uh, and catches this week. And Zach Moss actually had more receptions than Diggs did in this game. Thankfully, Diggs did score another touchdown this week. It's just kind of giving them some value. Otherwise, he would have been even more frustrating uh, to his managers. He's not bad. He's just not carrying teams like he did last year. He's still having seven catches per game, uh, but he's only had one 100-yard one game out of the seven games this season, whereas last year he had nine receptions per game compared to seven, and he had nine 100-yard games out of the 19 games that he played. So almost 50% of games he was getting 100 yards. This year he's only had one in seven games. It's quite a drop-off from last year, um, even though averages, Allen is averaging two points more per game than he did last year. So pretty wild that Allen's doing better than he did last year, uh, just barely, two points per game. But Allen, I mean, but Diggs is doing significantly worse. Very frustrating for those of us who wanted Diggs to perform just as well as he did last year. Second observation is uh, frustration in Philadelphia. I mean, really? <laughs> like now that Miles Sanders is injured, the Eagles finally commit to the run game. 
that may very well just be because it's because they you know played the lifeless Lions this week, but they ran for 236 yards and four touchdowns. It wasn't all Jalen Hurts this week either, though he did run for the, the, the you know third, third of those about a third of those yards, I think 71 yards, but still 236 yards of rushing. Uh, if they finally committed to running the ball, um, it's it, you know it's not furious enough to, for dynasty managers. The fact that Jordan Howard and Boston Scott uh, were the lead backs until the games were out of hand is even more frustrating because Kenny, Kenny Gainwell was the presumed starter. Uh, he was actually the odd man out early in the game and got most of his run in the second half after the game was already out of hand. It was Boston Scott and Jordan Howard who scored two touchdowns apiece. That's Howard in his first game of the season after being called up from the practice squad last week. I didn't see anyone courageous enough to start Scott or Howard in their lineups this week, but Gainwell was started in most of my leagues. Uh, it's going to be hard to trust the Eagles running backs while Sanders is an IR. Unless Sunday's distribution becomes the pattern and somehow Scott and Howard, of all people, become reliable. It's very frustrating. It's real frustrating, too, to think what it's going to mean when Sanders comes back uh, from injury. I think it could be even muddier than it was before he was injured. Very frustrating situation in Philadelphia. Third observation to make is Damian Harris is reliable. Uh, While my favorite 2019 rookie running back, Miles Sanders, dynasty value is steadily falling, one of my other favorites in that class, Damian Harris, his is steadily rising. Um, I really believe that Harris is now a reliable RB2 in a dynasty roster. I ranked Harris quite a bit higher than the other dynasty analyst in his rookie class, so he was my eighth-ranked rookie in, the, in 2019. So I've drafted him on the many of my teams since I had him higher ranked than most managers in my leagues. Uh, it's taken time, but I've uh, recently put him in starting lineups of uh, my, in my lineups the last few weeks. He's um, been a detriment in the passing game, that's for sure. But on weeks when the Patriots are likely to keep a game close, I think he really is a reliable starter. He's averaged 17 touches per game over the last three weeks and has held off Ramondre Stevenson from cutting into his playing time overall. Plus, you love this, he's their goal line back, scoring five times in the previous four weeks from inside the green zone. If Garrett Blunt you know, could be a fantasy superstar for the Patriots, mainly based on his touchdowns years ago, uh, Harris could really do the same this year and in the years to come. He looks like great on the field, too. He just looks good. And now he's ju- just now living up to his third-round NFL draft capital and, in my opinion, his first-round rookie draft uh, capital for our, our dynasty leagues. Uh, I'm trusting Damian Harris and putting him in my starting lineups most weeks. Next observation, number four, is this was a fun week. I'll say backup quarterbacks get it done. Pretty crazy. What a week for backup quarterbacks. Uh, Cooper Rush, Geno Smith, Mike White... All surprised their teams uh, with uh, dynasty managers on Sunday. Some of these quarterbacks were in starting lineups in super flex leagues, uh, giving them you know unexpected points for their teams. I know I started uh, Cooper Rush in one of mine. <clears throat> in one quarterback leagues, however, none of them were started. Um, and what ha- actually happened is because the backup quarterbacks were in, some of their past catchers uh, were benched this week, I think, because of the erratic play of the quarterbacks. Uh, after Tyler Larkett's poor play last week under Geno Smith, I benched him in two of my leagues <laughs> where... Of course, this week he goes off for 12 receptions and 142 yards. I'm sure I'm not the only one who did that, though. Metcalf, uh, he's likely was still in people's starting lineups just because he's such a big play threat and uh, definitely a threat in the red zone. He also had a great game with two uh, red zone touchdowns. Um, Pretty wild. Seattle and Geno Smith carried their dynasty teams. And I highly doubt that any pass catchers on the Jets were in starting lineups this week, especially with Corey Davis ruled out and Mike White in at quarterback. Uh, but those bold enough to start Michael Carter this week were rewarded with a massive day on the ground and in the air. 
Uh, White had his share of bad plays for sure, but he threw for 405 yards and three touchdowns uh, against you know the streaming defense of the week, the Bengals, that everyone picked up to start. Uh, oops, <laughs> it didn't work out for them. Uh, Dynasty managers on, on the Cowboys uh, likely still kept CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper in their starting lineups, hoping that Dak would play Sunday night. Uh, it was too late to take him out of their lineups when it was announced that Cooper Rush would start the game, but it didn't matter. If you had Amari Cooper or CeeDee Lamb, you were happy because Rush surprised everyone by throwing for 325 yards and two touchdowns, including that game winner the last minute of the game. Uh, Cooper and Lamb each had over 100 yards receiving, and Cooper was the one who caught the game-winning touchdown. Dalton Schultz was the only Cowboy, you know, that's a regular starter in Dynasty Leagues that didn't didn't perform well with Rush uh, leading the team. Uh, congrats to those backup quarterbacks for making the most of their opportunities this week. Uh, Dynasty managers were delighted with the production that they provided for their players, particularly their pass catchers, uh, on their teams. Not sure that it'll happen again next week, but uh, this week it was fun to at least see our other players be productive. Next observation is uh, two of my favorites uh, dominate this week. A.J. Brown and Debo Samuel were my top two ranked rookie wide receivers in the 2019 class. Uh, some analysts had Brown as their top receiver, but most, I believe, had Nikhil Harry as their number one that year. But hardly anyone had Samuel ranked as high as I did. Uh, I had him ranked fifth overall in the 2019 class. I'm not right all the time, but it feels good to be right on these two studs. Uh, A.J. Brown is just a monster. His size and speed make him impossible to cover. Um, the Colts could not even cover him at all this week, even though he really is the only receiver they needed to pay attention to. He caught 10 out of 11 passes for 155 yards and 57-yard touchdown. I always compared him to Julio Jones, and I think he's going to have that kind of a career. He's already off to a similar start. And then Debo, he's just like a running back playing wide receiver. He's a run-after-catch ability. He's fantastic. All the 49ers have to do is get the ball in his hands, and that's all they're doing this year. He's getting more than 10 targets per game because he's the best player on their team. His injury history is a concern, uh, but as long as he's healthy, he's one of the best weapons in the league. Sunday's 171-yard performance is his fourth 100-yard game in seven games this season. He's averaging a whopping 117 yards per game. That's more yards in the first seven games of the season than any 49er in history. And you know what that means. That means Jerry Rice and Terrell Owens have not done, did not do what Debo Samuel did to start this season. I love these two players, and they're among my favorite receivers in the NFL. What a fun week uh, to watch to watch them. Next, I'll say, similar, uh, new uh, breakout wide receiver, Michael Pittman. He's become one of the best uh, in his class. So Pittman had another incredible game on Sunday with two touchdown passes or catches and uh, several fantastic catches jumping over players and catching the ball at the high point. He was awesome. Uh, don't look now, but he's playing better than many of the receivers that were drafted ahead of him in the 2020 rookie class. Uh, Justin Jefferson and CeeDee Lamb, they're clearly at the top of that class, and I'd say that T. Higgins is right there, maybe alongside Pittman right now. Um, but Pittman is playing better than many of the receivers who were drafted ahead of him, like Jerry Judy, Jalen Rager, LaVisca Chenault, Brandon Ayuk, Henry Ruggs, all of them. He's playing better than all of them. I had all these wide receivers ranked ahead of Pittman in that class, uh, but now I'd place Pittman ahead of all of them except probably Jerry Judy, who, like Pittman, has been injured and has really yet to put his best you know, play on the field yet, so he's still got some chances. Uh, Pittman's putting his best play on the field now, though, and the Colts have to be pleased with uh, seeing him perform up to his second-round draft capital when they drafted him, and dynasty managers who drafted him in the late second round or early third rounds of their rookie drafts are super pleased with Pittman. Uh, he's now definitely an every-week starter in dynasty lineups. Next point I'll say is Matt Stafford trade is one-sided. Matt Stafford trade is one-sided. 
As dynasty managers, you know that we all like to boast about a lopsided trade when it works in our favor when we win it, especially when it's a big trade involving draft picks. Well, the Rams gave up two first-round draft picks and a third-round draft pick for Jer- and Jared Goff to help the rebuilding Lions, but what they got in return has lifted the Rams' offense to new levels. Under Coach McVay, uh, Stafford has really transformed the Rams into one of the most explosive offenses in the league. Uh, they're fifth in yards per game, fourth in passing yards per game, fifth in points per game. I think Stafford is just what McVay and the Rams wanted, and he's doing just what they thought that he could do and more, making Cooper Cup the highest-scoring fantasy wide receiver this year so far. Amazing. It's been fun to watch, and it's going to be fun to see if this trade leads to a Super Bowl win. Uh, Detroit and its future picks and the years, you know, they're going to have years to evaluate their side of this trade, but I just don't see how uh, they could win this trade unless Jared Goff proves to be their long-term starter. If they keep playing this poorly, I'm sure that he's not going to be. Um, to feel good about this trade, they're going to need to draft like a 15-year starting quarterback with, with their pick, get hit the, with one of those first-round picks, which right now it looks like it's going to be pick number one or two. It's kind of a race between them and Houston to see who's going to get the first pick of this next draft. Uh, Detroit is really going to have to nail these picks to think that this is not just one of the most lopsided trades. Uh, Rams are like a dynasty team, man. They just trade away those picks like crazy. This one's working out for them. But we'll see here as my last point that I'll mention. They still have an uphill road to get to the Super Bowl. Next thing I'll mention is Detroit and Houston. They help and they hurt their opponents. So after this Sunday, it's hard to say if the fantasy players that face Detroit and Houston, um, if they're at an advantage or a disadvantage. In one way, they're a great matchup against, you know, because these teams just give up so many yards and give up so many points. But on the other hand, as happened this Sunday, and it's happened another week so far this season, uh, starters get pulled in the third and fourth quarters, and dynasty managers have to settle with the fact that their player's day is done while the players against them keep scoring points. I hate that feeling when you know your players have been pulled and you know you're not getting an opportunity to score any more points, and then you're seeing your opponents, you know, just keep their players or keep scoring points. It's pretty frustrating. Daryl Henderson, Robert Woods, Cooper Cup all had great days on Sunday, but they were pulled uh, when the game got out of hand against the Texans. And then Jalen Hurts had his first bad game of the season. Uh, for one, because for one, his team uh, did not need a frantic fourth quarter comeback this time when they're playing the Lions. Devontae Smith had his worst fantasy game of the season because the Eagles didn't need to pass the ball to beat the Lions. Just playing bad teams like the Texans and the Lions is a blessing and a curse. And dynasty managers need to decide, you know, when they're when they're starting players that face these teams, they have to be prepared for uh, not a full quarter, four quarters of play. That's pretty frustrating. Night thing here. I'll talk about the football team is in full RBBC. Washington's running back by committee is killing Antonio Gibson's dynasty value. Uh, Gibson's battling an injury, but I think that may be more than this for him. Amazingly, they just don't seem to like him in the passing game, even though we all know he was played wide receiver in college. And then J.D. McKissick is just too effective in their offense. Of all the Washington running backs, he's the safest one to start. I started him the last two weeks in a PPR league and plan to keep him in the lineup until something changes. But I doubt anything will change uh, to affect his role in the passing game. If anything does change, I think what will be is what changed on Sunday, which was alarming. Jarrett Patterson got way more involved in the game, even with Gibson you know, not being out with an injury. Patterson ha- had his highest snap counts of the season with 16, while McKissick had 32 and Gibson had 23. Ironically, they perfectly split their touches with 11 each, but McKissick, McKissick has the you know more fantasy impactful touches since eight of his 11 touches were receptions. Uh, I was far lower on Gibson, the most honesty analyst in his rookie class. I certainly looked you know, look to be wrong after his rookie year, 
Uh, but things are uh, playing out about how I thought this season, though. I didn't believe that a hybrid college player could become an every-down NFL back and it's starting to look like I might be right, um, unless this is all just based on the injury. But it does not look like he's uh, going to be able to be as effective as he was last year, and the team is showing it by the snap counts that they're distributing. Next thing I'll mention, my final uh, 10 observations is um, what I like to do sometimes, in the, particularly on this 10th observation, is just talk more about an NFL observation more than a dynasty observation. And this week I noticed how far superior the NFC is to the AFC. So the NFC is greater than the AFC. I think the battle to get to the Super Bowl in the NFC is going to be far more brutal than the AFC. Tennessee is now on top of the AFC after their overtime win and Cincinnati's surprising loss to the Jets, to whom Tennessee also lost a game. They both lost to the Jets, so crazy. Tennessee, however, beat Buffalo a few weeks ago, which I think is the best team in the AFC, in my opinion. I think Baltimore is among the top AFC in the AFC as well, along with maybe the Raiders. They were really surprising. Um, but I think that it's uh, no contest. Uh, when I compare the top AFC teams to the top NFC teams like the Cardinals, the Bucks, the Rams, the Cowboys, the Packers, the Saints, the NFC is just better than the AFC. I think the Bills are the only team that I would consider to be in the same class as the NF- NFC teams that I mentioned. There may be minus the Saints, but if you put the Bills in with the Cardinals, Buccaneers, Rams, Cowboys, Packers, um, that's about where they fit. All the rest of those teams I think are better than the teams in the AFC. Um, but that said, the Saints just beat the Bucks, so they might be in that class as well. Uh, this year's definitely going to be fun in the playoffs with the additional team allowed to make the team or make the playoffs. And pretty wild that this year only one team's going to get a bye week. So even though these teams are great in the NFC, only one of them is going to get the bye week. It's going to be pretty competitive. And I would think the AFC right now is NFC is rather is way stronger than than the AFC. <laughs> Let's talk some waiver wire. It's an interesting week on the waiver waiver wire. Um, as I mentioned always, I play in 27 to 30 man leagues, so there's players that I list are for deep leagues, true dynasty leagues only. If you play in shallower leagues, there are certainly better players than, than these to pick up. But when I scan the waiver wire in my leagues, uh, this, these are the players that I'm most interested in for this week. Uh, first is Taysom Hill. Um, I rarely mention quarterbacks in the waiver wire article um, uh, because superflex leagues, um, because in superflex leagues, available backup quarterbacks are always the first priority. So anytime there's a you know quarterback that gets injured, if the, if the backup happens to be available, definitely is always the first priority in a superflex league. Uh, but that said, I mentioned Hill here because uh, I think he's available in most of my one quarterback leagues. In those leagues, uh, he's you know the, the first priority that I would try to pick up this week. It's uncertain whether he's going to be healthy enough to start, but I'm sure. Uh, he's who Coach Payton would like to start if he's healthy. If he comes out of the concussion protocol this week, uh, he's a player worth entering into starting lineups just because of his cheat code as a runner. So uh, Taysom Hill would be my first pickup this week. Second would be Jordan Howard. Um, as I already said, Howard was called up from the practice squad last week and immediately he made an impact on the team. Uh, Howard has been an underrated player that produces fantasy points even though he doesn't look good doing it. While Sanders is an IR, Howard's going to have a role on the offense and could help a dynasty team and you know if you're in a deep league with a few spot you know spot starts over the next few weeks possibly um, i picked him up in a few leagues last week just to see what happens and so i'm glad that i did that if i'm hurting at the running back position and in a deep league i'd look to add howard this week as my second priority third would be tajay sharp uh, this week calvin ridley's surprising announcement that he's stepping away from the team because of mental health issues opened the door for tajay sharp and he became matt ryan's most targeted wide receiver um, i've always liked sharp's talent uh, he was part of one of the worst dynasty trades that I ever made in his rookie year because I was excited about him. Uh, I think I traded uh, Tom Brady and a first-round pick for Tajay Sharp. 
that's among my two worst dynasty trades I've ever made. Um, so you can tell that I, I used to like Sharp. I do think he's good. Um, I, I'm hesitant to trust him again, but he may instantly become the most targeted player on the team uh, behind Kyle Pitts, of course. Pitts and Mike Davis uh, and Sharp each had six targets on Sunday, and so Sharp would be someone I'd consider you know picking up if I was in a you know desperate situation at wide receiver. Next to him, less interested in, but I thought that I'd mention him here. Uh, one is Carlos Hyde. Most dynasty managers uh, will consider Hyde a, a more valuable waiver addition than I will this week. Um, I believe he should be considered this week, given that he's likely to be the leading running back while James Robinson is sidelined with his injury. Uh, that said, uh, he's just not looked great this year, and I think it's more likely that the Jaguars are going to mix in Dari Agumboale and Jamal Agnew playing some receiver might move over to take some snaps at running back as well. I think it's just going to make them all kind of irrelevant, especially since this offense is so bad in and of itself. Uh, that said, he's wise to consider this week if you have a droppable player, can move someone you know that got injured to an IR spot, have an open spot, then maybe I consider Hyde. And last player I'll mention is Amir Abdullah. I mentioned Abdullah here only for the deepest of leagues. Uh, Christian McCaffrey is coming back soon, hopefully <laughs> rendering Abdullah moot, you know, in the in the next few weeks. Uh, but that said, the Panthers really mixed him into the game quite a bit this last week, and he's the back that is going to spell Chuba Hubbard. Abdullah, you know, a dynasty darling for one preseason. Um, he's a pro, and he can earn a more of a steady role with CMC injured. And if CMC's injury carries on, you know, like it did last season, unfortunately, Abdullah could prove to be more effective than Hubbard if they really get into a competition just between the two of them. That would be pretty interesting. Those are the waiver wires. Let's talk now uh, some trades before we close out the podcast. There were some trades in my leagues this week. As I like to say every week, the trades are pretty hard to grade in a vacuum since scoring systems are different in every league and every team has a diverse roster construction. So that's why when I you know, talk about the trades in my leagues, I try to give context for what I at least think the owners were doing. And there were three trades in my leagues this week. You know, one was a big stud was trade and the others were pretty uh, minor trades. First, Travis Kelsey and... Michael Gallup were traded for Mike Gusecki at a 2022 first-round pick, fourth-round pick, and a 2023 third-round pick. So Kelsey and Gallup for Gusecki, a first-round, a fourth-round, and a future third-round pick. This blockbuster trade was made between two brothers in my longest-running league, the Freak League. Uh, one manager just decided it was time to rebuild, while the other decided to make a run at a championship. I like both sides of this trade. Uh, Kelsey is far, by far the best player in the trade. Although the last two weeks have been a little bit concerning, uh, especially last night on Monday night, um, but at least his team that traded him uh, got a dynasty, you know, got a tight end whose dynasty value is on the rise right now in Mike Gesicki, um, and he got six years younger at tight end by getting Gesicki over Kelsey. Uh, Kelsey can't be traded at all without getting at least a first round pick in the deal, and so the team getting Kelsey uh, is going to finish strong this season. So it's likely going to be a back half of the first round first round pick which is why he asked for the two more picks in the deal, the fourth rounder and the future third. Uh, the win-now team's loaded at running back and has Josh Allen as his quarterback, but his receivers are, are you know don't have the top-end talent or the depth. Uh, Kelsey may not be enough to cover the weaknesses in his lineup at the wide receiver position. That said, I've had plenty of Kel- I've got Kelsey on plenty of my teams, and he has covered a lot of holes in the last uh, few years just by his own play. The deal may look better on... Uh, for him next year, depending on if Gallup gets traded to another team, or I guess it wouldn't be traded if he just doesn't re-sign with Dallas and gets moved to another team. Um, that would make you know him have maybe a, a position where he wouldn't be the wide receiver three on a team, but be a wide receiver two on a team that would help him as well. Um, it's going to take a few years you know, to figure out who wins this trade, 
Um, but I like when you see uh, you know someone going in for this year and someone for for rebuilding. This is the way you do it, and I think both teams did uh, did well with how they made the trade. Next trade was Logan Thomas for Zach Ertz and Devontae Booker. I made this trade for Thomas because I like Thomas more than almost any dynasty manager. Um, as I said before, I often overpay on a trade just to get a deal done, and I definitely overpaid on this one. So on paper, I like the other side of this trade. Um, I tried to buy Thomas from this manager for a few weeks, but I just couldn't get a deal done. He has Saquon Barkley, so I figured uh, throwing in his handcuff and Devontae Booker would get the deal done, and it did. <laughs> I have plenty of running backs in this league, so I was willing to part with one backup like uh, Devontae Booker. I also have Ricky Sills-Jones on that team, so he's a startable player right now. I'll wait for Thomas to come back off of IR and then take that role as my starting tight end. Uh, the other manager in this league is the one that decided to rebuild, uh, go into rebuild in this mode. He was the one that traded Travis Kelsey for future picks, so now he has... Uh, Dawson Knox, um, Mike Kosecki as his future starters, and now Ertz for depth. Um, so he did well, providing depth to his tight ends. Um, I went and bought the guy that I wanted, even though I overpaid. Final uh, one that I'll mention was Miles Gaskin and two fourth-round picks for a 2022 second-round pick. So it's two uh, Miles Gaskin and two fourth-round picks next year for a second-round pick. So the team that sold Gaskin here sold him high after he finally had two good games in a in a row uh, two weeks ago. The last not this week, but the previous two weeks, um, his team is actually loaded at running back. So Gaskin was never going to see the starting lineup for him. Um, he'd been putting out offers. I know he sent me a couple offers throughout the week, and finally I guess found a, tech, a taker. The team that acquired Gaskin was desperate at running back and needed at least one viable starter. Uh, you know, now that we're hitting the little runs of bye weeks, he just literally doesn't have someone that he could play as his RB two. Um, this trade's close, but I think I, I think he, that he overpaid um, for for Gaskin in this situation because Gaskin I don't think is going to be the future there. I think I'd rather have the second round pick. Sadly, uh, Derrick Henry was the other running back that he's starting alongside Gaskin now, and you know about the about the Henry 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 injury, uh, things just got worse uh, for him significantly in this situation. Well, those are the trades that happened in my week uh, or my leagues this this week. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, that's a wrap for this week, my freaky friends. Uh, make it a two-way conversation anytime by contacting me at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. That's dynastyfreaks with two E's. I'm much better on email than I am on Twitter, so contact me that way. I'd be honored if you take time to rate and review the podcast. Help me a lot. This independent podcast could use your help. Thanks for listening. I do appreciate your support, and I do want to become your most trusted, independent voice in the Dynasty landscape. Until next time, you know what to do. Go out there. And get freaky. Thanks for listening to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. We welcome your thoughts and advice. Let us know what you'd like to hear on the podcast or see on the website to help you dominate your league. Justin prides himself in responding to every email, so hit him up anytime at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com and follow him on Twitter at LonghornJustin. Justin.